What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. We're doing a multi-part series on what I wish I knew when I got started now. So I'm bringing on some experts, some people that are in the business doing big things and asking them what they wish they knew when they started out. So if you're just getting started, this is absolutely for you. And then if you're in the business right now, actively doing deals, don't tune out. Don't go to the next podcast. Don't go to the next episode because some of these lessons learned, you might not have gone through these already, and they might need to be exactly what you need for where you are right now, because we're all going through, through some challenge, some adversity, something like that. And today's guest, we're going to talk about a horror story that he had, how he got through it, and what he's doing now, and some actionable tips that you can use if you're going through a challenge or some adversity. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. What's up, everybody? We are kind of making a bit of a shift in transition. So we've been talking about, uh, me and Tyler talking about the academy that we're doing. We talked about Flip Hacking Live on the last podcast. And now we're going to do a little mini series on the podcast about, so for some newer beginner investors. So like kind of go, and even some more experienced investors, but what what do we wish that we had known when we got started? So with all the experience that some of the flippers and wholesalers that, that I know have and myself, what are some things that, if we could go back in time, that we could make some changes or have done differently. And the first one that we're going to talk about is like, maybe we reach a, like a, a wall in our business or something happens. Maybe we make a bad decision or, or we do the wrong thing, or we think that we fail and we think that we it, we're not able to do this business or this other person does it, but we can't do it because dot, 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 just fill in the blanks. Right? So there's like horror stories that we have. There's things that went wrong in our business that, it very infrequently talked about in the communities. A lot of people don't share some of their problems, struggles, things like that. And um, and I think there's a lot of new investors or, or folks that are uh, have gone through some ups and downs or some challenging times that might, might think that it's time to turn around and walk back and go the other direction or something. So what I wanted to do today was bring on a good friend of mine, Arthur Body. He's been on the podcast before, but I know that he, I specifically know that he went through a very challenging time in his business. And we kind of walked through some of that together to try to figure out some the the way to go from there. And I think he's come out on the other side. Um, I don't know. Might argue to say like better, stronger business because of it is probably a smarter investor. A lot of things that he learned from that that he wouldn't make a mistake again. So I asked him to come on and share some of that stuff with you guys. And hopefully, um, whether it's partnering, whether it's raising money, whether it's doing the wrong deal, whether whatever it could be for you as a listener, um, hopefully you get something from it and realize that, you know, we're not all perfect. We make mistakes all the time and, and problems happen, but we, how we solve it, how we go forward, that's the key. So Arthur, welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing the story uh, from you as much as you can talk about it and, yeah. uh, and hopefully helping some people in the future not make similar mistakes or, or something even different that they can pull from this and realize that it's okay if we make a mistake or we fall down. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, I am definitely more than happy to, to share you know, my mistakes. So, you know, you you someone might learn like not to do that, or they learn that when you make a mistake and we're all gonna make mistakes, what you do afterwards, how you you know pick yourself up and move forward. 
Yeah, and, and that's I think that's the most important thing, right? So let's let's just jump in. I know we don't we I, I want to keep this short. I want to keep it to a point where it's easily digestible for them. We're not going on and on, but real yeah. quick, if you can just give me like maybe the two minute clip notes of where you are now and what you're doing, and to give them some concept and maybe like how long you've been investing. So. Okay, so um, my wife Jen and I, we started um, real estate investing in 2012. We were living in Los Angeles, California. And we, I started off finding deals by door knocking on uh, pre-foreclosures, did really well with that. And then um, in 2015, it started getting very, very competitive where we were. And we just had a, a baby and you know it was, it was a lot of pressure on me. And we found, I found a guy at this RIA, he's like, oh, you know, I, I door knock too and I can show you how to do it and we can make, do a lot of deals together. And I went into, um, I basically started partnering with this guy. We were going to find properties together and, and invest in those. And um, we, I found a house and he's like, well, we can take this over subject too. Anyway, um, the short story on this is it, it went terribly, terribly wrong. He really wasn't the investor that he was claiming he was. And uh, we realized it after we had already taken this house subject to, and we had bought it in two LLCs. So I was basically entwined with this person trying to flip this house. And then it, um, it wasn't selling for the price we wanted it. And then just kept dragging out. And then we were, you know, we were supposed to be making uh, payments on this loan. And um, he ran, he was saying he was making payments. He wasn't, it was just really disorganized. Anyway, uh, at the end of the day, it just like we were going to lose money on it. And he turned it into a lawsuit against us. And Jen and I were like, well, what do we do? We lost about $100,000 on that deal. And um, it was really eye-opening. And I realized that, you know, you can't trust everybody, but also you have to really know what you're doing. Um, so we, the, we, we got the contract in 2015. We finally get out of it in 2017. And in 2017, we moved to Florida to central Florida and we've been here ever since and we're doing great. You know, we've, we flip, we, we basically, we flip um, like about 12 houses a year and then we wholesaled eight houses last year. So we're doing good and we built our business and we're moving forward and we're in a much better place. Okay. So if, so do about 20 houses a year now, started in 2012 and there was somebody that, I guess let, let's jump into that. Yeah. What are some red flags to look out for? Because it's not like it was a it was it wasn't a full partnership where you guys were um, doing all the deals together, but it was a, a joint venture. A JV, you might hear if you listen to the podcast, and um, and you're just doing kind of one off deals together. So you did one off deal with this person. There must have been some credibility that came with this person. Something that you said, okay, they know what they're doing. They, there's there's a reason for me to get involved with this person. A little bit newer real estate investor and uh, wanting to kind of partner up with somebody who's more experienced. So what are some red flags potentially look for in partnerships and any of that stuff that you that may have helped you or could help somebody going forward that they can look for? Sorry, so I met this person at RIA, and it's a very popular RIA, and actually Justin Williams uh, spoke at that. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I, we, we, you know, we know each other through Justin Williams. I went to this RIA to hear him talk, and this guy was here, and I knew this RIA was very respectable. It was a lot of really accomplished and successful investors spoke there. And this person was there and that kind of lent to credibility. Like this guy knows what he's doing. He, uh, he also knew somebody that I bought data from foreclosure data. And she said, Oh yeah, 
Uh, he's really good. You know, he, uh, he's, he's used our product and stuff like that. And he's done, um, you know, for, you know, he's bought foreclosures before himself. So there was that person who was kind of like a reference for him. And then, um, and then that was it. And then we were talking and, you know, he could talk the talk and we, you know, we talked about things like that. And I thought, well, you know, let's do it. You know, I, I wanted to be successful. I was really hungry for success and I didn't really have, um, people I could go to to partner with, which is really what, what I was looking for is I could you know do some work, but have somebody have more experience than me. And then I could learn from them and flip houses. So, so walking the walk, talking the talk, that kind of stuff, but being yeah. in the right room, um, as somebody who it sounds like, um, you know, what, what do we call that in the military? We call it um, like when it, it's like third time, like removed a third way, where that's where you're pulling your information and kind of integrity from, but you might not actually know that person's integrity and yeah. who they are. So, um, because that's a data provider, right? It's not necessarily somebody who you've done business before with that you've partnered with before that you're like, you know what, if they trust them, then I trust them. Exactly. A, lot of, a lot of times we do that. We have this like kind of triangle that goes through. I remember one very specific story when, when my conscience, so my realtor was telling me, that the garage door on a house that we had listed was damaged. Mm -hmm. And so it was listed for sale. We flipped it. And so I reached out to my contractor and I said, hey, can you go look at that garage door? Because I lived in Tennessee and this was a house in Florida. I said, can you go look at the garage door and tell me if, can you go fix it and make sure that it works properly? And he said, okay, yep, it's fixed, taken care of like a day later, like done. And I told the realtor, I said, okay, told the realtor, hey, it's fixed. The, The buyers can go back over there and look at it and run it. Well, he messages me back Matt, two hours later and says, it's the exact same way it was before. Like, it's not fixed. And so I, what do I do? I reach back out to my contractor and say, hey, you said it was fixed. Like, is it fixed or not fixed? And he's like, well, let me check with the guy that I sent over there to fix it. You know, I said, wait, you didn't actually go over there and make sure that it's fixed because I trust you and you seem to trust this other guy, but I don't trust this other guy. Yeah. You know, so... It's it's the the triangle of of delegation and responsibility getting passed around. So I see that sometimes with um, there's a name for that. We we call it the monkey brigade. <laughs> I like that. And yeah. it, it, it really it's just like you know you you really can't delegate trust, and that's a lot of times what happens when um, and sometimes you know. I, I might put some stock in the fact that I, I do trust you. And if you say this other person is a good guy or gal, then I'm probably going to start there. But yeah. we're going to have to build up to a relationship, right? And this was not a cheap house, right? This was yeah. not like a $100,000 house. You lost $100,000 yeah. when you given the house. I mean, we're talking about million plus dollar house. dollar house in Pasadena, California. Okay. So over a million dollars in Pasadena. So you guys can see like this is a big step for a newer investor who's who's somewhat expecting that this other person is bringing all the information, the knowledge that a lot of it, a lot of the, if they say it's a good deal, it's a good deal. And so just be, I I think the biggest red flag for me is I see a lot of people in the very beginning starting to partner, get in partnerships. And you see a lot of coaching and training platforms and things like that, that that's, that's kind of the reason why a coach and a mentor has their businesses because they want to partner with their students. They want them to bring leads in. I see that at RIA's a lot. I yeah. see it at um, I see it at, at coaching programs and things like that. They want to have deal flow and things like that in there. And I've also seen a lot of coaches, trainers, mentors, uh, folks like that that aren't necessarily the best person to do business with, right? right. 
And look, there's a lot of really great trainers, coaches, and mentors out there, believe me. And being one of those now, I mean, I, I know that it's easy to throw stones at those folks. Yeah. But I think, I think the important side is what is the financial benefit of that person to, for you to get involved with too? Like do they run their business in a RIA? Do they run their business as a, as a coach, as a trainer, those kind of things? Like where are they making their money is, is one possibility. Um, how are they involved? Like, do they have skin in the game? Do they have money involved? Do they have a lot to lose? What does that look like? And then just taking it slow. Like maybe do, I remember I, I did some deals with, uh, in fact, that same mastermind, the first mastermind meeting that we went to, that we met, yeah. um, there was a money guy in there who was in the group. And him and I did, you know, five or six deals together before I kind of outgrew, um, uh, like that, I was able to raise my own money a lot cheaper but we did 50-50 joint ventures. And I will say that there must've been something in me that he trusted because he sent a lot of money over to me in Florida from California. And, and we did 50-50 joint venture deals. But I was controlling the purchase of the property. I was controlling the contractors. I was controlling the sale. I was controlling everything. He provided the money. So he put a lot of trust in me and I could have very easily have been a bad guy. And if I was a bad guy and he's wiring all this money over, and I'm not putting the money in, not fixing it up. My, me and the contractor are in cahoots, any of that stuff. Like he never visited the property. He never came out there. He just trusted that I would get it done. We were doing five, six deals at a time the yeah. first year. So just be careful with, with who, you, who you trust, who you do business with. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I had all the control in that, right? And, and so if, if I was a bad guy, I could have really ruined that, that relationship and those deals. So yeah. you really have to underwrite the person more, in my opinion, than the deal. Definitely. I would say this, you know, looking back now, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious now, but back then I didn't really know what I didn't know. Um, you know, contracts, paperwork, have a conversation where you are explicit on what you expect and what they expect and, you know, have that vision and responsibilities and stuff like that. And if you are going to partner with somebody, which in a lot of cases, you know, if you partner with the right people, you can have tremendous success. But you have to nail all of that before you do anything. Before one dollar leaves your bank account, or you know, you put your name on a piece of paper that's a legally binding contract. Have all of that worked out. Yeah, it's everything's great until it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. handshake agreement. The let's sit sit down at uh, lunch oh, or cool. a restaurant, and we have a lot in common. We get we're getting along really well. Yeah. Is fine. But like, how are you going to handle? I don't know. You, you don't know that person all that well as you get going. And I think that the big thing, a lot of people say, like, I want to partner up and, and we're going to become business partners. And I see it inside of our mastermind group. I see it in different places. I see it at events, all that stuff. But my recommendation is always like, do, do a deal together, maybe another, just do some joint ventures together until you jump in. And because yeah. that way you don't have like, you don't have to unravel the entire LLC, the entire business, all the holdings, all that stuff. And in this case, um, maybe, maybe it's smart to do like something smaller, something that's more in your comfort zone in the beginning um, together to see how things go, where there's not a huge like downside. A lot of times, and maybe we can talk to the, the upside potential of this deal that you saw. And what I, I know, I have some experience with higher end homes and losing money in them uh, myself. And I see the upside as the visionary and kind of leader that I am, but I don't look at the downside. And yeah. the downside can be equivalent to the upside on bigger deals like that. So do you, any advice to anybody like that about stuff like that? Yeah, you know, it's like, um, 
Well, this is the one rule that I remember from that. It's like baseball games are won with base hits, not home runs. So when you see that home run, it's like, if it's like this huge deal, you do not jump right on it. You look at that really, really closely, figure that out. And then really just like try and figure out what happens if it would go wrong. Look at it, put it through a stress test. What happens if, um, you know, what happens if the market shifts? What happens if, you know, you're, you know, you can't sell it in time, you know, can you carry that debt load? All those different things, because it's a lot of money. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that puts a lot more pressure on an investor. So yeah, when you think it's going to be a home run, you really, really have to pay attention all the time until it's sold, until it's off your books. Yeah. Let's, let's make a shift. So, so we talked a little about partnerships. I, I talked, I mean, for me, it was, it was high-end homes and not just high-end homes. It, it, for me, it's, it's way above the median home price in that area. So it's like the highest end home in the area. So if you're talking about million dollar homes in San Diego, that, that's, that's only slightly above the median home price. I'm talking about a five or $10 million home in San Diego, right? And for me, it was six, seven, $800,000 houses in a median price point of 150,000. And so understanding what I learned was those first and second time home buyers, that median home price are slightly below. Is, I mean, there's so many people that are looking for those houses all the time. There is an affordable housing shortage going on everywhere. Yeah. And with that, if I might only have 10 buyers in, in that month that are looking for a house that's over $500,000. Mm-hmm. So, and they can be a lot pickier. They can, they can wait longer. They, they, they might look at the houses sit on the market a little bit longer. The price drops are massive, those kind of things. That's what hurt me. So let's shift a little bit from kind of your horror story to how did you get back past this and get back on your feet? You lost a hundred thousand dollars. You moved from California to Florida. Like you made a lot of changes and adjustments in order to continue, basically continue being a real estate investor. You could have basically said, look, lost a hundred thousand dollars, it's time to quit. Why didn't you do that? Uh, well, all right, that's easy. Look, real estate investing, that's just it. I mean, that's, it's my, it's my pursuit in life. I love it. I think that it is the, one of the true ways that I can work for myself. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner. And it can give me what I want, which is passive income. It's just, it's a, it's a freedom of lifestyle, you know, in the future. I got to work harder now. I mean, I get up and I work really hard, but I know where I'm working for. I'm working for myself. I'm not working for some big company or anything like that. What I get up and what I go out and create, I keep. And it's going to be, you know, me determining my, my destiny and, and the legacy I leave for my family. Okay. So that's what kept you going. So what no, was the next step? That was my vision. That's my, so that, so I was sold on real estate investing, but you know, when it happened, I mean, it was really stressful in my marriage. It was really tough. I have a, my wife is so awesome. I mean, she's amazing. And I had to go to her and we had to have a conversation. We had to have this serious conversation about, you know, the future of our life, the direction we were going in. And, and honestly, I reached out to Andy McFarland and Andy, God bless him. You know, he's like, look, you know, you, you're going through something really tough right now, but this is what you need to do and think about this. And I did. It gave us a lot to think about. And we thought about it. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to leave California. We're going to move to Florida. And when we get there, we're going to have this. And you helped us a lot. I mean, you were like, hey, man, when you get to Florida, you, I'm going to help you. You know, you're like, call me up with questions. You help me set up systems. You, you know, you lent us money in a couple of uh, projects when we first got here. So I had that going for us too. And then we, you know, we slowly put the pieces back together because we were smarter. I was not some uh, knucklehead where 
you know, I thought I was smarter than, you know, someone else. And I could reach out and ask people for help or ask them questions. And I knew that they were sincere enough to help me. And, um, and we just put it back together piece by piece, deal by deal. So first of all, I'm going to put a caveat on there. Um, we talked about partnering, right? And yeah. I knew you guys, like we spent a lot of time together at the first couple of mastermind meetings. We sat next to each other at the first yeah. one. And um, there was just something about you guys that I knew that, and frankly, the, the hard work that you did of knocking on doors, I still remember you getting up and giving your first presentation. Like I have this list right here and I just go around these houses and I knock on their doors yeah. and I'm sitting there going, you're doing what? You're like the hardest working guy in this room. And then from there, we built a relationship and it wasn't charity when you guys went to Florida that I loaned on properties. It was an opportunity. No, to <laughs> no now with the money you right. charge us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're listening to this and you're going, you know what, I'm going through a tough time. I'm actually just doing an email bill. I'm going to email the company and see if they can yeah. give me some loans. It was about building that relationship. Exactly yeah. like we talked about at the beginning. We have a relationship. I trust you guys. I know that you know what you're doing and you're good at what you're doing. Yeah. And that you have some serious staying power and resiliency through everything that I watched and saw. Yeah. You guys walked through for those couple of years on that journey. So, so we did that. And then for you, what I heard was I have people that I can reach out to that will shoot me straight regardless of what happens. Like they, they're gonna, they're not gonna tell me that I'm right if I'm if I'm not. They're not gonna tell me that everything's gonna be fine if it's not. And yeah. they're gonna help me. And number one, you being willing to reach out to Andy. You being able to reach out and ask for help is probably the most important thing that got you through it. Because if not, if we don't reach out, nobody knows what's going on in our lives, right? Yeah. The only reason that I knew what was going on is because I heard Justin talk about it on this yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I heard that story and I said, oh man, like my friends are in trouble, like the real trouble. And so is there something that I can do? Is there just a way that I can help or just offer something? And if you're, it wasn't money in the beginning. It was, hey... How could I help? And in fact, well, in the beginning, it was like, you're like, here, I got these systems. He goes, look, you know, you're basically letting me copy your homework. Yeah. You know, that's what it was. I mean, for like the first year when we got here, I was like, I had questions about, you know, like, you know, my, my, uh, you know, you set up, you help me, you know, you know, choose call rail. You did a lot of stuff. I mean, you're like, here, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Okay. You know, what's your response rate in your mailers? And, you know, you kind of talked me to it. Everything you do now in seven figure flipping, you know, you were doing back then. You know, you help me. Now it's more systematized and I can just go on the website and, and read it all. But back then, you know, you were showing me that stuff and we didn't have the platform we have now. Yeah. And, and you, but you also took it and ran with it. Like you, yeah. you picked up, you sold your house, you picked yeah. up, you moved your family, you came up with a strategic plan to get back going again. Yeah. And even through, especially like getting into a new market that is competitive, like you're in a suburb of Orlando, competitive market. And you hit some adversity in the beginning of that too. It wasn't like, here's, here's all the, everybody wants to sell their house right away. It was tweaks and changes and adjustments and it's still happening, right? The market's tightening down and you're looking for new creative ways to do it. And I was just out of your place a couple of weeks ago and we're talking about some of that stuff while we were down there. So um, I think it's resiliency, it's, uh, it's determination and there's gotta be this strong kind of passion. You obviously have it in real estate. Investing. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, the thing is like, um, I, uh, it's not our successes that build us up. It's our failures. It's like you learn the most when you, when you don't get it right. And it's like, 
if all you did was win, it's going to be like, you're going to, I don't know. It's just like, I get more out of like the mistakes I make and then turn around saying, all right, I can do better. or I'm going to fix this. Or, you know, I can come in smarter next time. I get much more. I learn much more from that. Yeah. We, we build so much more of our, um, our character through adversity. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of the times we're trying to remove adversity from our lives and everybody else's lives around us. Nope. And especially our kids. Yeah. I see that right now for me growing up with my kids growing up and I'm just trying to make their life perfect and make sure they don't have any problems and anything. And it it could do damage to them in the future. Like we need, we need challenges, struggles and failures throughout our life to build the character and the person that we are. Yeah. And I mean, I, I look specifically at my son, James, and the, the challenge that was put into our life, like a little over four years ago, to try to figure out how to navigate that. And they're like, that is a struggle and challenge that has made me a stronger person. And it, frankly, a better person. And I have more compassion than I did before, although I still, I still struggle sometimes because he, he's frustrated, really yeah. frustrating. It's hard. Yeah. And, but, um, but like when I can slow down and take a step back and look at the big picture, I can see how great my life is because of that. And so I think in business, it's very easy to hit a challenge, a struggle, and just say, ah, especially the, the dabblers, right? The people who are going in kind of part-time, and that's where a lot of us have to start. Can't just jump yeah. in full-time. And they say, you know what? I can't do this. It's not for me. Just because they're not, you're not willing to go through the challenge. You're not willing to go through the, the adversity. To get on the other side of it is really, really good stuff. But um, I mean, everybody doesn't make it to the top of the mountain, right? Um, so I think I think your purpose, why mission in life, that kind of thing, and having that close tie to know that real estate is the is the way, um, it helped helped you guide you through that. And I think for anybody that's listening to this, you're obviously interested in real estate. You're interested in flipping, wholesaling, that kind of stuff. Like this is the way. Like real estate investing podcast, you're, you know, you're already investing in it. You're, you're trying to improve yourself by listening to this podcast to, to check in something to to make yourself 1% better every day. You're invested in it, you know? And if, um, you just don't give up, don't give up. I mean, this is, this is my dream. My dream is to be a very successful real estate investor. And I don't just wake up one day and I'm a successful real estate investor. It happens in stages. I'm going to become a very successful real estate investor. And I keep great company. There's so many people in our group that it's just so inspiring. I mean, you, you know, and, and there's, there's so many like, like top of the mountain real estate investors in here. But then there's like, you know, almost to the top of the mountain real estate investors in here. And then even those guys, you know, starting at the bottom of the mountain and they're super inspirational because they work so hard and, you know, and there's just so much inspiration you can pull into your life every day from, from the beginner, from, from, you know, from the almost there, from the top. And you just like pull it in and you build yourself up every day and bring it into your life and and make yourself better. Even people at the top can still get better. Absolutely. I think we're all getting better. We're all going through challenges, adversity, struggles, all that stuff. And just, it, it's, it's about what you do after that. That's important. So like, are you going to take it and use it as power or are you going to use it as kind of like pain, excuses, reasoning, not to keep going? That's, that's, that's the ultimate thing here. And I, I think you got like watching your journey over those couple of years was, it was inspiring that, to watch you go through it and, and see all the sacrifices that you guys made as a family to keep mm-hmm. going and stay in 
your kind of dream career. And it's really cool to see. And in coming down and seeing your house and everything that you guys are doing now. And I mean, I don't know, we were down there for three days. Yeah. We weren't really yeah. working other than Jen driving me around and showing me houses in Spruce Creek <laughs> where I want to live. And, uh, and so it was, it was cool to just be able to unplug and, and go paddleboarding and go for a walk every morning and go to the beach yep. and all the stuff that we did, go to restaurants. And it's just really cool to see that. And, and today, frankly, if you're listening to this, I texted Arthur about an hour ago and said, hey, uh, can you jump on a podcast for me? Because somebody else canceled and I need to get this thing recorded. And he's like, yeah, sure. I mean, that's the flexibility that we have in what we do. And yeah. we do it because we set our schedule. We do what we want to do. And it's it's really cool to see that. Uh, I've never had that. In the, I mean, I worked for the military my whole life. That was my W-2 job. And when they told me to be somewhere, I was there. <laughs> it wasn't a, there's no choice. It's not, uh, yeah. I, I, podcast popped up. Uh, can I just uh, not fly or I'm going to leave and go home? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I've missed a lot of things because of that. So having the freedom to do what I want to do now is, is really powerful. So if you don't have that, um, just realize it's going to take work. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be adversity. And if you're going through this right now, if you're going through a very challenging time in a business deal, in your personal life, in uh, your, anywhere, in your W-2 job right now, you're torn between real estate and your W-2 job, like figure out where your mission is, where your passion is, and just realize that you're going through these challenges and adversity for a reason. You're growing. Yeah. yeah. If, if you if you attended Flip Back in Live last year, Becca um, gave a presentation about the butterfly, at, like the, the caterpillar in the cocoon. And the more struggle, the more adversity, the more challenge, the more beautiful butterfly when it comes out. It's really kind of incredible to, to look at some of these things that happen in nature that happen with us too. And you'll see that you have to go through it. But when you're in that, when you're in like the, the brown trying to get to those green pastures, it's not the most fun thing. Yeah. Um, and I know that if I talked to you, when I was talking to you a couple of years ago, it, it was it was not, it was challenging. So, hey! <laughs> yeah, so here, this is another reason. Here, come here. You. Can you say hi? Mr. Bill. Mr. We're still on the podcast. Hi, Lila. Here's another reason. <laughs> so, Arthur's, Arthur's daughter's on right now. Jen walked in. <laughs> There's no life. Peter. Yeah. Hi, Jen. Hi. So okay. that's another reason that I love real estate because now she gets home and I'm here and, you yeah, know, I can be with my family. And it's a beautiful family, even Skeeter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Skeeter. All right, man. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on, being open about what happened with uh, with you guys uh, and, um, and, and some of that stuff because it's important for other people to hear. They're going to go through struggles. And if you're listening to this and you're, and you're in there, just realize... Like there's an end to it, but you also have to strategically come up with a plan and structure and how you're going to do it. Like, 100%. and then use it and don't jump, don't fall in the same trap. Like really, I, I think Arthur, the next time he's going to partner with somebody, they're going to do a deal together. It's going to be uh, a full-on underwriting process. You know, take take your time, go easy and stuff like that. Yes. Yep. And also, but it's like, you know, anything I have that I have a question about, I can go to anyone in seven-figure flipping and, you know, get a lot of, get a lot of really great advice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the moral of the story, join the mastermind, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and listen, in all, ser in all seriousness, um, find your tribe, like find the people that you can reach out to and throw a lifeline to when you're, when you're drowning or you're slipping off the, the side, you know, and you're, you don't know what to do. And it might be us, it might not be us. And if it's not, that's okay. But go find, if you listen to this podcast, it's probably something that resonates with you or, um, or you feel like that your people are in this group 
So, and if you can't, if you can't afford to get in this group, if it's not the time for you, we also have the free Facebook group, Seven Figure Housekeeping and Wholesaling. Ask, ask some questions in there. It's a whole community of thousands of people that are in there for free. Now, I can't vouch for all the answers like they are inside of our Facebook group and, and our mastermind meetings and all those things where we have this kind of curated community where we bring the right people in and we make sure that they, they're the right folks and they have experience. Um, but it's a community of people that you can ask questions for. So find your tribe, find your people, come to Flip Hacking Live, come to our events, do those kind of things and just get to know the community. I mean, that's really what we're building here, building a community that's based on, on freedom. You know, their financial freedom, time freedom, or um, like stewardship type freedom, like giving type freedom. That's what we, that's like the pillars of what we want to do is help other entrepreneurs and real estate investors create freedom, whatever that looks like for you. So Arthur, thanks for hanging out with me. Hey, Bill. Um, Thank you. This is the first of a couple part series that we're going to do. We're going to talk about kind of like what I wish I knew when I got started, uh, maybe some success stories and struggles from other real estate investors and things like that. Uh, and hopefully this is helpful. If it's helpful for you guys, let us know. You can send us an email, uh, take a screenshot, post it on your social media, tag me at Bill Allen REI, and uh, let us know what you think. And if there's anything else that you guys want us to talk about on here, uh, let us know. I'd, uh, I'd love to create a series or a couple podcasts for you and where you are now and what you need. So Arthur, thanks. Have fun with the family. Tell them I said hi. Well, and, uh, I miss you, buddy. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just gonna learn how to raise it, you're gonna actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.